The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you all, but I'm even more excited to have our guest on today. He's the principal at Ferrari Capital, Mr. Joshua Ferrari. Josh, how are you doing today, sir? Good, man. Thanks for having me on your show. Hey, man. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. It's been it's been cool to kind of see everything you got going on. For those that maybe aren't familiar with you, hearing your name for the first time or hearing your voice, give us your origin story. How you got into real estate? Where are you from? And what you guys are doing these days? I feel like I have entered into the Star Wars realm with my origin story. <laughs> I like that, that phrase there. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an old comic book comic book person i still watch saturday morning cartoons so i feel appropriate i I guess a little bit about me i got started i'm an aircraft technician by day actually still am still in this business when i got into this business i thought it was going to be what i was going to do forever i had no background in investing no background in real estate no background in crypto i don't even know if crypto was a thing back then maybe it wasn't it was just not as big as it is today um no background in any of that stuff so i moved out of my parents house and just graduated college, got my airframe power plant license, moved from Memphis, Tennessee to Mobile, Alabama to start what I thought was going to be a longstanding career in aviation. And I had just recently gotten married, just gotten back from uh, my uh, our honeymoon in Hawaii. And before you know it, my dad calls me up. This is January of 2018 and tells me that him and my mom are going to start flipping houses. I'm like, that is the weirdest thing you could have ever called me up and said, why are you guys starting to flip houses? You're not independently wealthy. I know you guys don't have a lot of money. I know you've never done this before. We've only ever watched HGTV. That's all we know about real estate. Then you start telling me about this course they're going to take and how much money you can make and just this, that, and the other. It turned into a four hour long conversation because I just kept asking questions. And at the end of it, my interest was peaked. It was like, okay, I don't think I really want to flip houses. I don't want to deal with contractors. I don't want to do that. But when he told me you can make more than your annual salary in one deal, I'm like, okay, there's something to this real estate thing that I'm missing that I've never really dove into to figure out. So I just went, I dove in head first pretty much after that. I asked him what book I should read. Of course, he told me Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So that was the first book I read, really kind of shifted the mindset, even though I had already started shifting from the conversation I had with him. Uh, then I read the cash flow quadrant book. And then I, I pretty much tried to read as many rich dad, poor dad books as I could at that point. And I ended up reading like 40 books that first year. I was listening to all the podcasts I could get a hold of. I was going to three different local real estate investor meetups, trying to meet everyone I could and figure out what this space was all about. And the first, uh, investor meetup I went to was they, they basically said that wholesaling was what you should do. Like if you're going to get in the space, best way to do it littlest amount of risk is wholesaling. Like, okay, you know, and you got a free course if you signed up, you know, they're like, sign up tonight and it's $400 value, but it's free. If you just do whatever. And so I signed up, got this little course, went through the course and thought, this is it. You know, I'm good. This is how I'm going to get started. I'm going to do my thing. And about six months goes by. We hadn't closed a single deal, had probably spent about $5,000 in marketing. And I'm just like, okay. The goal here was to get some experience on the transactional side and grow the capital stack, neither of which have happened. 
<laughs> so, yeah. so I could keep going, but this when when we really sat back, my wife and I, and thought about what we wanted long term, this just wasn't it. Wholesaling was not the ticket. So I was like, all right, we really want the benefits of owning real estate. So let's buy something. Well, I was 21 years old when this was all happening. So I'm a basically a broke college student or fresh out of college, getting into corporate America, and I'm like. We can't afford anything. It's not like we can rent a like rent and buy a house. So we have to actually just buy a house and move into it. But then how are we investing? You know, we can't rent it. So it wasn't until we started going down this path that I came across uh, house hacking, what they what they talk about on bigger pockets all the time. I'm like, okay, cool. That sounds like something we could do. And so we thought about doing it with a single family house, but decided we didn't want total strangers living across the hall from us. So we thought, okay, it's going to have to be a small multifamily. It's kind of like an apartment. And then I really got scared because I'm like, we barely have money, if even at all, for a single family house. How are we going to afford multiple houses in one? Like, this just doesn't seem possible. So I ended up actually finding the deal before I found the cash. I found a little fourplex that actually ended up being the first deal we ever bought uh, on the MLS through a realtor. And looking back, I know why it was on the MLS. It was a horrible deal which we will talk about later, but it, uh, I didn't have the down payment. So I called my dad up and was like, Hey, help me out. We're trying to do this thing. feel like this is a great opportunity. Talked to a lot of contractors, done walkthroughs, financials, everything. And he was like, okay, yeah. You know, I want to see you be successful, blah, blah, blah. So here you go. Um, let's, let's do this thing. So we closed the deal. And that was when you could officially say I was a real estate investor, my first actual investment in real estate. So fast forward about six to nine months, the deal didn't really pan out quite like we had hoped. Fast forward another two years, maybe, um, and we lost $60,000 on that deal. So it was not the best deal financially that I could have ever done. But if I look back at it from an educational perspective, it probably was the best thing to do because I basically paid for my education through this deal. I learned so much. It was incredible. And it taught me more so than what to do. It taught me what not to do. And a lot of what I didn't want out of life, really, because at the end of the day, we were doing this to have a different life, to have freedom and sort of that thing. So I was like, okay, we don't want a house hack. We don't want to deal with contractors. We don't want to manage our own properties. We don't want to deal with small multis. I don't want to take I don't want it to take another decade, 15 years for us to get where we want to be. So what are we going to do? So I read Joe Fairless's best ever apartment syndication book, uh, the big red one, and read it cover to cover and was like, this seems feasible. You know, syndication felt like it was far off, just large multis in general. But this whole syndication aspect piece of it seems like it's more possible. So I dove deeper into that, ended up going to a local real estate meetup where I was able to find my uh, my mentor, who was actually the speaker at this particular meetup. For, he was like a, a guest speaker talking about multifamily syndication. Found out we both had aviation in common afterwards. That was how we clicked. And he became somewhat of an organic mentor after that. Uh, this is roughly about three years ago from today. Fast forward to today. I now have two business partners. We've since closed 327 units, a little over $20 million asset center management. We've got another 110 units. We're closing in two days from the time of this recording in Austin, Texas. 
We are looking to acquire an additional thousand units this year. Um, and our vivid vision currently, which is at the end of 2023, is to acquire a hundred million dollars asset center management. We figure that's going to equate to about 1500 to 2000 units. And the reason that's our goal is a myriad of reasons, but one big one is that all three of us are still working our day jobs, full-time day jobs. So this is like a part-time gig for us. So we want to get to the point that we're making enough cash and cash flow that we can all get out of our day jobs, go full-time in the business and eventually grow it to be a self-sufficient company. And the, the end financial goal is to have $50,000 a month in passive income. Man, I love it. I love the vision too, like the, the foresight to look at it and, and being able to call it out. I know it, it's super helpful to have others around you know it so they can help you obtain it. So that's awesome. Uh, so you mentioned out the gate, it wasn't a home run, but you stayed with it. But I'm interested to hear, you know, obviously y'all have had a ton of success with what y'all are doing. What are some of the things that come to mind from an unsuccessful standpoint that, as you mentioned, probably taught you a lot of, along the way to help you get to where you guys are at now and where you guys are heading? Failures. We could talk for failures for a long time. Specifically, I guess when we first started, it was the wholesaling piece of not being able to close anything. I think with that, I probably wasn't uh, marketing to the right audience. I probably wasn't even marketing to my buyers because I was getting these deals under contract, probably got like six or seven under contract in that six month time frame, And I felt like the deals were fantastic. You know, we had one deal that was a fourplex that had like a 200, $300,000 spread on it. And these, these were not me just phoning the numbers. I got these confirmed from some other way smarter people than me at the time, but no one wanted it. No one wanted this deal. And I could not fathom why I'm like, look, I'll just literally take $5,000. Like you can have the other $295,000. I don't care. I just want to successfully wholesale something and get this thing across the finish line. Like I don't want to fail the sellers. I don't want to fail me. And I think it just wasn't in the right area. I think the, the, area in particular wasn't something that my buyers were interested in. And even trying to JV with other partners, no one wanted to buy it. So I'm like, all right, I'm clearly doing something wrong here. So that was probably something I did as far as the wholesaling piece. But then one thing I think I did right was pivot and not continue to stay in that realm of where I wasn't really thriving and what we didn't really want to achieve anyway. Because at the end of the day, it was going to be another job. It's going to get out of the day job and then have another job wholesaling, which isn't what I was looking to achieve. So getting into the fourplex, lots of mistakes. Uh, one big one, I think, is I didn't partner um, with someone. And I felt like, one, I just didn't know a lot of people to partner with in the first place, which is just an excuse. Honestly, I could have just waited to find someone. But two, I felt like at the time I needed to have 100% of the equity in order to ever get out of the day job and in order to ever make any decent amount of money and in order for the deal to make financial sense. Like there was just all these weird false justifications I was giving myself at the time that I needed to do the deal all by myself or myself and, and my wife. So big mistake right there. I, I should have partnered with someone because one, they probably would have told me I shouldn't have bought this deal because it wasn't that great of a deal. There's a lot of just things wrong with this property. But two, if we had have decided to have bought this particular deal, I would have had more of a financial backing to help me out. I would have had someone with more knowledge and a network and expertise. And if I could pick out some more failures, because there's a lot, I think I'll never buy a hundred year old house again. That house was built in 1920. And let me tell you, 
there were so many problems with that house. One big one was that the house had quote unquote settled and everyone was like, yeah, all, I had four different contractors walk the property with me in the very beginning before I ever even closed on the deal. And none of the four contractors wanted to actually do the work. They all gave me the excuse that they were too busy. And me being a newbie just figured like, yeah, they're great contractors. They know what they're talking about. They're too busy. That's all it is. But really looking back at it, they knew the scope of work and they were not wanting to dive into this behemoth of a problem. So they just passed on it. So I had to go with a guy that I actually work with at in my aviation job, who just so happened to also have a little contracting side gig. And I did not need a side gig contractor. I needed a full-time contractor, but that was the only thing I could do. Uh, with the loan that I chose, which is a 203k FHA loan, which a lot of people say is fantastic and they swear by it and they think it's great. I'll tell you what, it was the worst freaking thing I've ever done. I hate that loan. I'm never going to use that loan product ever again. Maybe I'll use FHA, but the 203k portion was the nightmare. Paperwork nightmare. We had five months span at one time from firing the first contractor and hiring the second one that no work got done because it took them five months just to finish some paperwork. It was horrible. During that five month time frame, right in the early stages, I could tell it was going to take a long time. And I'm like, you know what? If I can fix an airplane, I can fix a house. So I had to just go to YouTube University. I had to go out and buy some tools. We got some credit card debt. We got some personal loans to try to fund all the stuff because all the money we had allocated to the property was inside the loan with the renovation piece of the 203K. So we didn't have any money to do any of this stuff. So that was where the credit card and everything came out with because I needed materials and tools. And I probably did 80% of the work on that house myself. That's probably why it took so long to finish everything that needed to be done. So I learned a lot of what's like prices and how to do stuff. And, you know, is it a good job? Is it a bad job? Is this how it's supposed to be done? Is this how it's supposed to look? You know, I, I learned so many different things throughout this process. Um, but to go back to the failures, 203K FHA, don't recommend it. 100-year-old house, nope, not going to do it. Need to partner with someone, don't do it yourself, especially if you're doing a fourplex, your first ever investment ever, and you're only 21 years old and have no money. Also, I would have to say just the contractor piece of it, I guess, would be another one. If you've never done a deal before, I guess, first and foremost, then trying to know who's reputable and whether or not they're being truthful with you and like what their reasonings behind everything are and whether or not their bids are outrageous. You're not going to know any of that stuff. So I guess that then goes back to the partnership piece of just make sure you are partnering with someone that knows all this stuff that can help guide you through it. You don't need a hundred percent of the equity I'm telling you that right now, because no matter what deal you do, your first deal ever is not going to be the one that makes you a millionaire. Your first deal Honestly, probably won't make you much of any money. But for me, it lost me $60,000. But I'll tell you what, I learned so much from that, that it really propelled me to where I am today. Would I have eventually gotten to this point? Had that not happened? Maybe. But I think going through that experience, it really opened my eyes to kind of what I wanted my life to look like. Because I was working a full-time day job also while I was renovating this fourplex So I'm working 10 hour days, then I'm coming home and working 10 hours more to try to fix up the property. And then on my days off, I'm working 24 hours, you know, trying to fix up the property. It was like, and I'm a new, and we were newlyweds. So really didn't have a lot of time to see the wife to spend, like I missed out on a lot of that. And I quickly realized that was not what I wanted long-term. 
Well, at least you figured it out early. You went through the school of hard knocks to get there, but at least you figured it out early. I, I think I think back to I heard several episodes ago, probably a few months ago, Ken McElroy's podcast. He had somebody on and they were talking about one of the most expensive phrases in entrepreneurship is I'll just do it myself. And I think back to all the things that you went through thinking about a partner, giving up some equity to bring somebody in. All of that could have possibly been avoided just by having somebody help you with, with the project and, and guide you along a little bit better. So listen, I, I hate that you went through it, but I'm also glad you went through it because it's you came out on the end, other end way better for it. You know a lot more about it and you're able to, to help others with your syndication deals and bringing them on and helping them avoid going through that by probably getting them to invest passively as opposed to trying to get in actively. So that's probably as good enough spot as ever to wrap up and and listen to that again, folks, if you if you need to, because there are a lot of golden nuggets in there. Josh, I absolutely love it. I thank you for joining us. For those that want to connect with you, work with you, invest with you, learn from you, where's the best place folks can find you at? Best place, I guess, is to go to FerrariCapital.com. And then once you go there, scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see all of our social media links. That's probably the best way to keep up to date with us as far as what we're doing. Uh, LinkedIn and Facebook are the two that I'm involved in the most. And then, of course, now that you're already on the website, you can check out our portfolio. You can check out our podcast, Creative Capital. You can check out our blog, newsletter, sign up to be on the investor portal. You can do all that stuff. Schedule a call with me. That's probably the best way. Perfect. Well, Josh, seriously, I really appreciate it, sir. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And hey, everyone, thanks for joining us at home. We'll catch everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.